Vox Quick Hits. This is the best money I ever spent. It's a series of personal essays about the purchases we make, both big and small, that make an impact on our lives. This week's piece is by high school senior Catherine Ung about the coffee maker that brought her closer to her mother. Here's Catherine. About a week after I got my driver's license, a small mountain of plastic coffee cups started to accumulate in my car, and it just kept piling up from there. My friends and I joked that the drive through workers at Dunkin' Donuts had basically become my family. And my actual family complained endlessly about my habit of buying iced coffee on the drive to school. My parents complained. This coffee thing, it's getting out of hand. By February, the empty cups of Dunkin' started to encroach on my car's floor space and console. And as my mini mountain of junk grew, so did the dent in my savings. So I reluctantly agreed that it was time for a change. If it were up to my mom, I would have just started to make coffee with the ancient machine that she used. But I dragged her to the nearest Bed Bath & Beyond instead. We stood in the appliance section, looking at the shelves of coffee machine options. I knew I would never be able to figure out how to use a French press, and a newer version of my mom's beloved Mr. Coffee would be too boring. But a Keurig, complete with a pack of generic K-cups? Perfect. When I cringed at the $96 price tag, my mom assured me I'd be saving money in the long run. I'd never spent that much of my own money at once, especially not on a kitchen appliance. Paying at the cash register felt like some weird rite of passage. On my first adventure into the world of the Keurig, I felt determined to replicate my favorite iced coffee. K-cup coffee pods replaced the Dunkin' Donuts roast, Trader Joe's caramel sauce replaced my usual caramel swirl, and organic valley half-and-half replaced the cream. My homemade creation tasted exactly how it sounds. It was terrible. Somehow, the half-and-half made the coffee watery, the caramel stuck to the side of the glass in globs, and my kitchen workspace descended into disaster. The tabletop was splattered with spilled caramel sauce and covered with containers. Plus, in my trial and error of learning how to work the Keurig, which, yes, I know essentially requires you to just press a button, I brewed way too much and ended up with this giant tub of black coffee. My mom and I spent a weekend finishing off the leftovers. She said one morning, it tastes pretty good. We were both surprised by this reaction. My mom had sworn by the exact same Folgers roast formula all 17 years of my life. So the next time I brewed a cup of coffee, I grabbed another K-cup from the cabinet and made a mug for my mom too. And again the next time, and the next. In order to fully understand my feelings about becoming an accidental home barista, it's important to also understand this fact about the Chinese language. The direct translation for I love you is wo, ai, ni. But the phrase just isn't part of the common vernacular. The people who use the word ai 
are most likely white and most definitely got the Chinese character for love tattooed on their lower back at some point in their lives. Instead of saying, wo ai ni, or hanging a sign in the hallway that reminds everyone to live, laugh, love, Chinese families make each other food and drinks. Spicy mala tofu, vibrantly garnished noodles, green tea brewed from longjing leaves, and of course, fruit. My mom is constantly bringing me fruit. A plate of cubed mango after a fight means I'm sorry or I forgive you. A bowl of pomegranate seeds might signify congratulations or good luck. But mostly, there is no occasion. She'll offer me fruit during mundane moments, like at the table after dinner, or as I study for finals, or while I watch Netflix. It's a gesture that's as ordinary yet as comforting as being tucked into bed as a kid. I knew this was her way of showing love, but completely failed at reciprocating. When my mom tried to teach me how to break down a pomegranate and separate the seeds, I accidentally cut my palm with a knife. Once I tried to microwave a hard-boiled egg and caused a small explosion. And whenever I actually completed the task of making fried rice or an American dish like fettuccine Alfredo for my family, it just tasted bad. But I could make this Keurig coffee, and my mom genuinely enjoyed it. Every morning, she drank her cup with a smile and carried the mug with her throughout the rest of her morning routine. By the end of February, her beloved Mr. Coffee Machine was relegated to the pantry. And it became second nature for me to brew two servings of coffee, one for each of us. Then in March, COVID-19 forced my life to shrink to the confines of my house. And in the face of a long and lonely summer, I became truly obsessed with perfecting Keurig coffee. TikTok taught me how to froth milk in the microwave, and I tried making matcha and chai lattes. During a quest for the best coffee pod formula, I stumbled upon a reusable K-cup filter. Between my old habit of drive through Dunkin' Donuts and my new fixation with the Keurig, I could finally enjoy coffee without wasting an absurd amount of plastic. Most importantly, I kept making coffee for my mom. It morphed into a daily routine, an essential step in my morning just like brushing my teeth or eating breakfast. For myself, I made a glass of Keurig coffee poured over wedges of refrigerator ice. The recipe constantly shifted between cow, almond, or oat milk, and maple, sugar, or vanilla flavoring. But it never reached an ideal form. For my mom, I followed a constant formula, a mug of hot coffee with a splash of half and half. Even on mornings when I didn't make a cup for myself, her patterned floral mug sat faithfully on the kitchen counter, the coffee inside slightly steaming. Through my ritual of using the Keurig, I could set aside 10 minutes a day to do something entirely for my mom. Although it started unintentionally, I would fill the time by thinking about her and the two of us. As I filled up the water tank, I hoped she would have a good day at work. As I fiddled with the machine settings and set out the half and half, I wondered about her health. 
I even worried about things like her blood pressure. I could never figure out if it was too high or too low. I worried about her periodic headaches. And as I poured and stirred the drink, I thought idly about news articles or stories about school and my friends that she might enjoy. My dad doesn't like the taste or idea of coffee. He thinks that it causes caffeine dependency. But I'm sure I'll be able to find an avenue to express my love for him too. Because through my newfound coffee brewing routine, I finally understand my parents' perspective. I'd always seen my mom's elaborate meals and carefully sliced plates of fruit as just a fun quirk. But the cultural differences between how I and how my parents approach relationships still created tension, and sometimes even resentment. When we argued, I would gripe, why can't you just say I love you? Is it really that hard? My parents preached that real affection was found in actions and not words, but that always frustrated me. They provided me a safe place to live, made my meals, and literally kept me alive. What kind of action could I take that wouldn't immediately pale in comparison? But brewing coffee for my mom proved to me that the gravity of the action didn't matter. Instead, what counted was the routine. The consistency. The small daily gift. I like to imagine that my mom and I are having this elaborate conversation through our cooking and brewing. This cup of coffee means, I'm sorry. This one means, thank you. This one means, I forgive you for being annoying and making me feel bad about getting Duncan in the first place. But every single cup says, I love you, mom. And thanks to the Keurig, I can finally speak her language. <laughs>